0: computer report readers and listeners to another edition of the computer report podcast i'm your host scott reynolds along with me is mark cook and our special guest today jake arians son of bruce arians and buccaneer fan and observer and kind of insider too we're going to probe uh, jake's brain on on all things buccaneers and get his thoughts on this uh mark what was your question that you had for jake uh why
1: yeah, yeah jake wh- why is uh why does your dad hate tom brady so much i mean clearly <laughs> clearly there's this huge rift between them and i mean if if the national media is talking about it, it's it got to be true so yeah. you know you yeah. would like tom brady tom's pretty good so what's what's up with that
2: yeah it's uh you know i knew tom <laughs> moved the needle i don't think i realized how much uh, you know, especially in New England, ESPN's backyard, they're going to take yeah. a, a pro Brady anti-BA thing and it's gone a little out of control. Uh, you know, we we win. We're the greatest team that's ever been assembled. We lose and you're a dumpster fire. And that's kind of par for the course. It is what it is. Uh, but honestly, I didn't re- I didn't think it would be this big of a deal. There's nothing going on between BA and Brady other than trying to win games and beat the Vikings this weekend.
3: Exactly. Well, guys, Jake,
1: I, I would I would imagine that, um, you know, your dad's a competitive guy and we know Tom Brady's a competitive guy. And, and through the history of sports, you know, you can look at uh, great players and great coaches, occasionally butt heads. They're not always going to agree on everything, um, but they work out their differences and they get the job done. And, and I suspect that they, they've probably had some disagreements, you know, behind closed doors, but your dad's not the kind of guy that's going to air it, uh, air out dirty laundry, and we know Tom Brady's not going to either. So maybe they've had a few disagreements, but it's certainly not anywhere near the capacity of what the national media has tried to make it out to be.
0: And, and Jake, before you answer that question, we've got a little bit of, of a cliffhanger here. We're going to let everybody know that the Pewter Report podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Celsius. It's energized by Celsius. And uh, check out this this cool video from Celsius, and we'll get right to Jake's answer. <laughs> So if if you haven't heard, Jake, uh, Celsius is the proud partner of uh, the Peter Report podcast. Have you had a chance to try this this wonderful energy beverage?
2: I have not. I check it out.
0: It's it's definitely uh, something you want to check out. Um, and I'll tell you why because Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Uh, make sure that you check out the banner ads on PeterReport.com for Celsius. Click on them if you want to purchase this fine, tasty energy beverage. And it comes in uh, an assortment of flavors that's going to take you to Amazon.com where you can buy the variety pack. Or if you know which flavors you like, you can order them in bulk. And uh, it, it also makes a great holiday gift for the active person in your life. So we appreciate the great folks at Celsius for sponsoring the Peter Report podcast. And And Jake, let's let's get to Mark's answer about uh, the question about Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and, and the relationship. Yeah, I'm not sure
2: how much disagreement there's been. I mean, of course you're going to say, okay, I'd like you to do it this way. I've done it this way for 20 years. We, I think there's more of like a compromise meet in the middle than there's really been disagreements. They get along phenomenally. They love playing golf together. They love talking football. Tom's a historian of the game. Dad's been around forever. Uh, so I think it's more of just this crazy-ass offseason that we had where Tom's running practices himself, but there's no coaches there, right? Like he learned the playbook. But there's a difference in learning the playbook and the nuances of coaching how exactly they want it when he's done it a different way for 20 years. So I think that's the biggest thing is what's going on there behind closed doors. And then you're going mm-hmm. week to week in a different game plan. Something's working on some teams. Some things don't work. against other teams. You got to change it week to week. The same play can have different nuances, right? It can have yeah. a different read here, a different, all that stuff. And it's so hard to go week to week and really not have a full mastery of the game plan until you have an entire off season. Hopefully, regardless of how this season ends hopefully this off season they can actually be in the building at times and they have covid protocols that should allow that now yeah uh, and then i think you really can see this thing take off a year from now i think they're doing a hell of a job and they've gotten better week to week right but i don't think i don't think there's been a ton of disagreements dad said i want you tom said i want to come play for you let's figure this thing out
0: yeah well and i think too to your point when you when you look at, at what typically takes place in in the off season that that's just pure installation. You're not game planning for, for anybody. So when you're on there on, on the field, during those OTAs and mini camps, it's, it's really a hundred percent buccaneer, right? It's, you're not having to, you know, to, to game plan and, 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 and scout opponents and stuff. That stuff takes place in in training camp when you kind of start dabbling in, in the opponents that you're going to start the season against, but it's, it's having those 400, 500 yard, uh, not yard, but, but throws, right? Those, hundreds of throws to to different receivers and tight ends and running backs, and then going upstairs and breaking down the film and watching it with the coaches. And and that's really what was missing to start this season, right?
2: It really was. And then you throw in the continuity of if you have those 500 throws to Chris and to Mike and all those guys together, right? Yeah. You're going to have – it's not as big a deal as when you had, what, three games, Mike and Chris have been 100% together and practicing all week. Like I don't think that can be understated enough on a quarterback that has to feel comfortable that wants that timing, perfect. If you wants you right here, you better not be right here. Yeah. Right. I mean, you throw, all that stuff gives, throw, all that muscle memory that went into that offseason stuff that we were talking about really matters now when you don't need it as much, when you haven't had those reps and now you're trying to do it. And, and Chris had, you know, Chris is going to play this weekend. We know that he's tough as right. hell, yeah. but the fact that he's not on the field catching balls to a quarterback that wants reps, Yep. That stuff matters. And there still hasn't been a ton of continuity throughout this year with mixing and matching guys here and there. And then you add AB and he's been there for a month and you're trying to get continuity with him. And he's learning, you know, he knows all three, but he's playing all yep. three different positions. It's just there's
0: a lot that goes into it. Exactly.
1: You, when you it talk about of, I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead.
0: No, as I said, one of the things, too, that I, that I wanted just to kind of get your your take on. And, you know, a lot of Buccaneer fans follow you on Twitter. You're engaged. You know, you've. You've called out uh, John Ledger a couple times when he makes some demonstra- I Look, I, lo- I, wanna, I love good John. Job. John does good a job. hell of a job. Yeah, good he job. Really,
2: he really does, though. I, I appreciate anybody that will break down the film. Yeah. And go to town like he does. I love yeah. his takes. My only point with anybody that breaks down tape, and that's Dan Orlovsky on ESPN, or if you don't yeah. have access to the coach right. that's saying this is what we were specifically trying to do, then yeah. it's all speculation. But anybody that wants to take time, and I look, I don't go back down and break it down. Right. I said that on the show last week. I see a lot of it with my eyes because I've been watching this for 42 years. Right. I've been alive. My dad's been coaching. I've been in a lot of games, watched a lot of games. I see it different than most people, but I don't go back and watch it. I think John does a hell of a job with that. But I try to be engaged on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's, uh, sure. If you take it for what it is and that's fun, <laughs> right? Whatever.
1: Well, yeah, and, we, and you know what? There's something, something, uh, Jake, that, that I would, um, that I would, I would kind of be along your lines. I'm going to defend you a little bit because we had a few people say, well, he just, you know, he just supports the Buccaneers no matter what. That's your father. Let's not forget that at the end of the day. Okay. You're a Bucs fan now, but that's your dad. And, you know, I'm going to defend my dad to, 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 to his death, right? Essentially. um, and, and that's just a natural thing. I mean, you're protective of your father the same way your dad was protective of you when you were a child and probably still is even at age 42 today. Uh, it, You know, you're, You don't like criticism. It can roll off your dad's back because he's heard it all before, from the college ranks to the uh, assistant coaching ranks to the head coaching rank. I'm sure it doesn't bother him nearly as bad as it probably bothers you and maybe even your mom a little bit. So just talk a little about how difficult it is for you as the child of the head coach to hear and read the criticism, particularly with the uh, sometimes the crazy takes we see on Twitter.
0: Did we lose Jake?
1: I is frozen. Yeah. I know it's been cold the last couple of days, but (laughs) I don't know that it should be frozen into a solid block of ice. Yeah. It it was, it was either that or it was, it was a thing where he, he, um, didn't like the question. Didn't like the question. Maybe, maybe that's good. I'm out. These guys, these guys aren't loose cannons. I'm going to just go back to that podcast. No, exactly. he will probably be joining us again in just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, there he looks like he's coming back now.
0: Uh it looks like it's still frozen, unfortunately. We were probably
1: just... somebody who doesn't like Jake hacked into the system and uh <laughs> and locked him. I, I mean it. I'm
0: either gonna say that or or Mark, it it probably was was just the, the loaded question that you gave him that he just didn't want to answer, you <laughs> know.
1: That's a good question. I mean, but seriously, Scott, I mean, I know yeah. you're close to your family and I you know, I hate when people criticize, you know, my dad, who's who's an accountant. He's not even an NFL head coach. Right. He's an accountant. If if I heard somebody saying, you know, your dad doesn't know anything about taxes, I'm going to want to fist fight that person. That's just yeah. the way I am. I'm a hothead to begin with. I don't know that Jake you're is.
0: ginger, of course, Mark. That's well, just yeah.
1: yeah. You know, I'm just, you're going to want to do that. I just hope when people d- disagree with Jake's takes and things like that, just for a second, put yourself in his shoes as the son of the guy who's getting hammered on a regular basis, whether it's, um, you know, we've seen him get hammered by some of the national media guys, the, the, the first take shows and those kind of things yeah. that are on daily. Um, you know, but the thing about it with Bruce and I give him credit, um, he just, it just rolls off his back again. He's been doing it a long time. There's nothing he's probably hasn't heard any type of criticism. He's, he's pretty much heard it all before I would imagine. So yeah. it rolls off his back, but it's a little different when, uh, when it's your dad or, or your kid or something like that, you're going to want to, you're going to want to support them. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, hopefully Jake will be coming. There
0: back. he is. Technology is great when it works, Jake, right? Yeah, apparently my Wi-Fi just decided to go completely
2: out on us. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Pay
1: your internet bill, Jake. Come on, man. Do we need you. to go fund me for you to cover I your internet so. bill?
2: I, th- I think so. you yeah. think I would uh, would have this thing figured out by now? Huh? Well, it's yeah. not
0: you. It's it's just technology. It's happened yeah. to me before, too, on, on yep. podcasts and Zooms. That's just how it is. But, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's not an enviable position, right, on social media especially, um, you know, uh, nobody likes to hear criticism, but at the same time though, it's, it's nothing new, right? I mean, you're, you've been a coach's son, like you said, for 42 years. Um, yeah. this it, is not something that, that you're dealing with just here in Tampa. You've had to deal with this in, in, you know, while your family's been in Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I mean, the criticism's fine. I have no problem with anybody criticizing anything. Me being called squirt or buddy or daddy, you know, stuff like that. Like I'm a grown ass man. You could talk to me like one. Well, it's not a problem. Yeah it's when things get personal or the criticism is a hot take that's you know click worthy click bait. like i loved the article the other day of how you brought everybody in and said hey now that i got you let's actually talk about this stuff oh the our uh, stab five yeah exactly i mean yeah. that's that's the stuff that okay yeah. i probably need to get off here for a couple of minutes because this is just stupid i'm wasting yeah. my time um but no i mean it's fine criticism is fine it's part of the job I mean, yeah head coach wins and loses and you, you you probably don't get enough credit when you win and you damn right. sure get too much blame when you lose, because it's not all right. your fault. But that's part of the job. You get paid a lot of money to do it. We all understand that. I sure. have no problem at all with criticism whatsoever. Yeah. I defend some of the ridiculous stuff or some of the yeah. takes of B.A. and Brady or feuding, stuff that's right. just completely ridiculous that's all there because people are going to click on that and find out what's going on.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of that is coming from the national media, too, right? You look you look at, at Peter Report's reporting. And, and, and when I say national media, I don't want to, to include Jenna Lane in that. She's a local reporter for the Buccaneers it's more the national guys that, that are, that are doing, you know, some of that, uh, click bait, uh, you know, made for, for TV ratings, uh, you know, BS, uh, trying to stir the pot and create some drama for clicks and ratings, etc. Uh, the times I don't think has engaged in that. Oh, one of the things that, that I do want to kind of get your take on here, because I've, I've read this book and this is the quarterback whisper. It's, it's how to build an elite NFL quarterback that, uh, Uh, I think we've lost Jake again. Shoot, gone. I know. Jake is gone. Maybe it was my question mark that was Scott.
1: Stop running our guests off. It's not cool at all. Yep. But he'll be Uh, back. Uh, You did, and I can verify that Scott read that book when we were in Mobile two years ago after Bruce was hired. Uh, He was in his room the whole time, like a nerd, reading that book while me and Matt and Taylor wanted to go party uh, down in downtown Mobile uh, with all. Scott wouldn't leave because he was a nerd reading
0: my due diligence on the next head coach of the Buccaneers, you know, and yeah. when Jake rejoins us. I'm going to ask him about it. But my point is you can read this book right here and, and this is not a new phenomenon. Bruce Arians will, will get his, his quarterbacks, uh, the plays that they like um, and whether it was, you know, Tim couch back in the day or whether it was, um, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and uh, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger in, in Pittsburgh or, or Carson Palmer in Arizona, Jake, uh, in this book, your dad clearly says he lets the quarterbacks pick the plays. They have ownership from from the plays that, that, that were installed and put in practice. The quarterback gets to circle the ones he likes and X out the ones he doesn't like based on the connection, the feel, whatever, whatever, right? I mean, Tom Brady has some real legitimate ownership in the game plan and the plays that are called.
2: Yeah, absolutely does. So that goes back to what we were talking about with the install. Unless you have a full mastery of that game plan, going through OTAs and all that kind of stuff, when you break it down week by week for a game plan, they come in on Thursday or Friday, and you'll have red zone, short yardage, third down, everything. They circle the ones they like. They check the ones they don't. Mm -hmm. The ones that get checked don't get called. They're not in the game plan. They're not on the sheet that you see Byron and that offensive coordinator stand there with. The only the plays that they wanted in that game plan. Now, that specific play for or that call for that play for that down. Yeah. You know, but he always has the ability to change the play as well. Yeah, you know, some guys you're not like that. Let's push a lot of these young guys that never did that in college. These guys like Tom have been doing that for a long, long time. You're calling two plays in the huddle. You're checking to one, that kind of stuff. Uh, All that ability is there. Yeah, Um, but you're you know new play caller and new relationship and all that kind of stuff, I think they're still
0: working through some of that. Right. And and the thing, too, is, is Tom Brady was not going to obviously play in four preseason games. No veteran plays in the fourth one. But, right. but I think just even in the game situations, not having preseason games one, two, and three, where they can work some of these kinks out. I mean, gosh, the first time Tom Brady puts on a Buccaneer uniform and listens to Byron Leftwich on the headset on a game day was in New Orleans. And he's got Cam Jordan breathing down his neck, you know? So, uh, I, I, I do think that, that some of this stuff is, is overblown. And um, listen, I'm excited to see what transpires over the last four games this season and into January because I think you guys are, are making a, a playoff push here. But I'm almost even more excited for what's going to happen in 2021 with this team. And, and I think they're, they're going to end up going further and, and maybe really even winning the NFC South because Brady will have more of a mastery of this offense.
2: Yeah, well, I hate the bye week being as late as it was. So you get on autopilot and that three or four games where it was it was a struggle, right? Yeah. It's hard. Like you don't think you realize how hard like you might think you're 80% and you might really be 65 by yeah. the time you get to a third week 13 bye right. week. Nobody's healthy this time They're as healthy as they've been coming out of it. You get to step away for a couple of days, get refreshed. The guys get excited to get back. You know, her dad talk about the practice had the excitement I thought it would have coming out of this bye week. Right. And you have four very winnable games. Mm-hmm. They have the ability to get hot, win all four and get in the playoffs. And if you're the Rams, you don't want to see us coming. You don't want to play that again. Seahawks, there's teams we don't necessarily I don't have no problem going back to New Orleans. They beat us handily twice. Yeah. I would think we're a better team and more prepared for that now. But I don't think anybody really wants to see us come, especially if we win four four straight. Yeah. And Tom looks good and you're healthy. You know, this team could still make a run deep and win the whole thing. Yeah. Or they could win two of the next four, barely sneak in. Win a playoff game. Don't a play. I mean, all those things are still on the table, and right? they're still right. figuring a lot of that out. I, I personally think they have the ability to get hot here, win three of the last four, all four, and rip off into the playoffs. And in 2005, my dad was a receiver coach in Pittsburgh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they were the last team in at 10 and six, but they mm-hmm. got hot to get in. And then they ripped out the first team ever to be a wild card win the Super Bowl. You rip off yeah. three straight road games, you go and you we beat Seattle and Detroit for that Super Bowl win. Right. And then the Giants have done it. The Packers have done it. The Packers did it yeah. to us when we were in Pittsburgh. It's yep. been done, so it's not unfathomable. They have to play better than they played the last couple of weeks. They played right. really good opponents. They didn't play their A game. Yeah, I, I would argue that those opponents, like the Rams, played the, maybe their best game of the year. Right. They then lay an egg the next week against San Francisco. Sure. Um, well, And, and, and also, too, Some Jay. of that was what I was going back to and that bye week yeah. is, like, you might think you're 80%, but you're not by the time you get right. to a week 13 bye. And, so yeah, that part kind of yeah, hurt.
0: The, the Saints – the Rams and the Chiefs had already had a bye, so they already had that week to get refreshed and recharged and do a little bit of self scouting. But the Bucks had to wait for that, right? So that that's that's part mm-hmm. of it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we self scout every week, but there's still nothing like stepping away completely
0: for yeah. a day or two,
2: like yeah. completely get away. Whether you get a day off, coaches they don't take any time off. So even but for them right. to take a few hours or an afternoon or go hit golf balls or go play golf, just get out of football for a day or two. It's sometimes yeah. the best thing that can happen. Most of the time, that happens in mid October, not you know late November. So that part was really really hard.
0: Yeah. So um, out, of, out of these these last four games, the Bucks play three different opponents. Right? Vikings up next, and then a couple of Falcons games with a Lions game sandwiched in between. Out of out of those last three opponents, which which one scares you the most?
2: Probably the Viking team. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the lead in the NFL in passer rating in the fourth quarter. Just mm-hmm. came back. I mean, I know it was the Jaguars, but it's an NFL team. And I say yeah. all the time, winning games in the NFL is hard. They came back from not playing very good. And he brought them back in the fourth quarter. Dalvin Cook is leading the NFL in yards for scrimmage. Right. Mike Zimmer can coach defense. They get they got a bunch of young guys, but they get exotic what they do. They're great on third down. Yeah. Uh, I think this team is hot. They won five out of six, and they're in the playoff hunt. This is basically a playoff game. Yeah. And then the Falcons are playing a hell of a lot better since they fired Quinn. Raheem took over. They've done right. a hell of a job. That defense has went from, like, dead last to, like, third. basically yeah. us last year and friggin' Detroit still has Matt Stafford. And if Valaday comes back, and Marvin Jones is healthy, and Swift comes back, and Hawkinson's healthy. Now right. you've got a really dangerous offense you're playing there that could put up 30 on you. So now, while these look easy on paper, I tell everybody, all, we talk about show all the time, recency bias. Right. Don't worry about what happened in September. Worry about what happened like the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Worry about happened, like getting guys back healthy in who you're playing. Uh, it's the NFL. You win any of them. I don't care if they win by one or they win by 30. Right, you win and get in a dance at this point, right? Yep. Like you're a Bucks fan, and I am one. And trust yep. me, when you said that earlier, nobody is more critical of the Bucks than me. It's just <laughs> me screaming at my own TV, right? Or be yeah. screaming in the box where people that I know aren't saying anything or recording. Right. anybody. I promise you, I'm more critical than anybody listening to this show.
0: Do you ever question um, your dad and 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 what what he yeah. and the coaches are doing?
2: Yeah, all the time. But it's like <laughs> you know, it's like twenty five of my uncles. So like right. I know these guys. I've known them for some of them. Nick Pone, Amos Jones that was there last year. Uh Keith Armstrong, I've Bulls, I've criticized them all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um not publicly. Right, right, I, exactly. My
2: own in my own house. I call them out all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um you know, a question I want to ask you because cause obviously and and again, I'm I'm not trying to 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 necessarily pimp this book, but th- this is a fantastic book. It was a great read before your dad got here. I digested the whole thing. Very insightful too. And he talks about your relationship with him. Uh, I mean, you're his son, you're his sounding board. I think you guys are, are best friends, not trying to put you know words in Bruce's mouth, but I mean, you've got such a close relationship. Um, how long do you think your dad will coach? He came here on a five-year deal. This is year two. Um, you know, Brady is here for another year. Uh, is, is, is that it's, do you think your dad's going to play out the entire uh, you know years of his contract remaining? Or or will he sync this up with Brady's departure, whether that be after 2021 or maybe if Brady sticks around for another year? What, what are your thoughts on that, Jake?
2: I think definitely through Brady, right? I and mean, I think it's a matter of health, how much fun he's having, what the team looks like. Not necessarily he's going to leave like if we're going to be bad, I'm going to leave. I think it's more of how much fun am I having? How's my health doing? Yeah. And if Tom looks like this next year. He's damn sure going to try to talk him into coming back for a third because he doesn't look like he's lost anything physically at all right. to me. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about arm strength and all the crap people are talking about at the beginning of the season, the first made-up stories. Um, darling, I think I think you know I think they could ride this thing out together for another three, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, they have a window to win a Super Bowl. And yeah. he knows you have a window to win a Super Bowl as a head coach, but he has not done. He's won two as an assistant. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the final icing on the cake. Although I say if we make a run this year and win it, Everybody's like, oh, he's leaving. I was like, he ain't going to believe. This team should be better next year than it is this year. You're going to try to run this thing back and do it again. Uh, exactly. So I, I don't know. I can't, I can't really answer that. But, you know, it, it's nice to – I probably have better insight on it than anybody else. But I, I honestly thought he was done when he retired in Seattle. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about it, and he said it's time. And then yeah. I didn't think the bug would come back as much as it did in the relationship yeah. with Jason Light. And everybody being available when it was time to bring this staff together when it right. happened in Tampa was just the perfect scenario. And he's, he's happier than he's been coaching a long time.
0: Yeah. Now, I was surprised. And I think Mark was too. We, we kind of, I think we looked at, at each other with kind of some surprise and amazement during his initial press conference when he said Byron Leftwich was going to be the play caller, because that's, that's something your dad's always done. And that's what got him the head coaching job in, in Arizona was was the play calling and dealing with the quarterback. And, you know, and he, he he details it tremendously in, in the, the book how how he loves that, that connection with the quarterback. So uh, were you surprised that he turned the play calling over to Byron? How much of it was wanting to kind of groom Byron and then how much of it was he wanted to maybe take that that part of the workload off his plate for stress and health reasons?
2: I maybe mean, health stress related kind of thing, but I think he thinks so much of Byron but as a player as a young coach make him a quarterback coach immediately. And then he he kind of risen through the ranks. I was joking on our show last week and I was like, what does your dad need to take over play calling? He's the best play caller on the staff. I was like, no, he's not. Tom Moore is still the best play caller on the staff. (laughs) If You want to put put resumes together. Tom Moore is the greatest offensive coordinator of all time in my opinion. Uh, But Tom thinks that highly of Byron. And my dad Mm -hmm. respects Tom's opinion so much that the fact that he does and Tom does that it was. And I think one of the other things is so important to him is the minority coaching stuff. The yeah. Female coaching stuff, helping the next generation go, building that tree, getting guys a chance. It is right. vitally important to him. It's not a PR thing, it's just who he is. He didn't think yeah. about, oh, I'm going to get pressed because I hire black guys or women or whatever. Right. He, he never thought about that. That's just, yeah. I want to hire good coaches. So I want to help them further their career. And he thinks that highly of Byron to do it. I mean, he told me I'm going to call plays until I can't find somebody that's better at it than me. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if Byron's better than him. Right. I think he sees himself. In the way that Byron's doing it, and he wants to help him get better at doing it. It's the big thing about having Tom more around all the time, yeah, is Tom and Byron in Arizona were the first two in there. Tom's in there by three. Byron's in there by five. You know, so <laughs> by by Tom's first nap, Byron's getting in there to get him, you know, get him get to pick his brain while he's fresh when he gets up from that first nap.
1: Right. How, how involved is your dad though? Game day, during the play calling process. I mean. Um, is is he is he suggesting things from time to time, or is that is that during the week where maybe he puts his input in? Um, does he overrule Byron Leftwich from time to time? What, how involved is he on game day? Jake, you there?
2: Yeah, I couldn't hear Mark at all. It was all it was all mumbled. Okay,
1: yeah, I hear you fine. You? Sorry. Can yeah. you hear me now? Hello. It's turning hello. the
2: worst live show ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we're powering through it. We're not giving up. There's still the fourth sure. quarter left. So, in case you didn't hear Mark, what he was was saying is how how involved is your dad on game day in terms of, of of you know putting those plays in Byron's ear or suggesting plays or maybe even vetoing or overriding some of those plays.
2: He's listening to everything called if he doesn't agree he's probably let him run with it a little more than he's liked to afterwards. It didn't work out the same way in a couple of mm-hmm. situations we've talked mm-hmm. about, but he's there for everything. He will veto it if he doesn't like it or he'll call something to say run this now in this situation. Uh, but it did not happen a ton. I mean, he's listening to everything, but he's also been in the game plan he's got a week and he trusts him or he wouldn't let him do it. So it's not, not as much as people would think, but he damn sure has the ability at any moment to say, no, we're not running that or we'll run this or, you know, whatever it may be.
0: You talked about all these assistant coaches being like your uncles, right? And this is a big staff. And a lot of these guys have coached with your dad uh, for years, right? There's, there's not a lot of newcomers to here. This is kind of the old gang. Um, in the three coordinators, right? You've got, you have, uh, and, and, and I mean, no disrespect to Keith Armstrong, but it's rare, like outside of Frank Gans or Jim Harbaugh, that a special teams coordinator makes a jump to becoming a head coach, especially in this day and age where NFL owners are looking for the hot play caller on offense or the yeah. hot shot defensive coordinator. But, uh, out of Byron, and Todd Bowles round two, because he's already been a head coach with the Jets and Harold Goodwin, who impresses the hell out of me, uh, who out of those three guys, you know, if, if your dad were to step away at some point in time, do you think the Buccaneers would take a look at or maybe another NFL team comes and, and plucks? Who would be the first one or the best one, in your opinion?
2: I, I think Todd round two is the easy answer. I mm-hmm. think he, he did a hell of a job in New York with some really crazy circumstances with a GM that didn't hire him. And then they brought in another one that he didn't know. And right. that whole thing, I think he's going to do a hell of a job. I don't know that either one of them are going to be around by the time dad hangs it up. So I you know, Goody might will probably still be there. Yeah. Um, I think Goody's going to do a phenomenal job and be a damn good head. You're talking about leaders of men. Yes. The problem yeah. I have when people talk about, Oh, this hot candidate can complete. Every enemy does a phenomenal job. I think he deserves a, he deserves a job. Right. Who's he bringing as his coordinator? Right. Has he ever worked with them before? Does he know him? Yeah. That's one coordinator. Who right. is his old man, Tom, Tom Moore sounding board? Is he going to call yeah. place? All these things going to building and staff and the continuity of that, I don't think can be overstated at all. Right. And that's the big thing about having all of your guys and why he's so excited to get back in and do this. But when you talk about interviewing those guys, who wows yeah. the hell out of you? Like Brian yeah. Flores, when he interviewed in Arizona, I know knew blew the socks off the room. They right. just didn't think he was quite ready. And we see what he's doing in yeah. Miami. I think that's the biggest thing. Who's the leader of men? You're talking about Keith Armstrong included.
3: You yeah. put
2: these guys in front of men, they want to go play for them. They respect yeah. the way they handle it. They, they know what they say. Uh, and guys want to go run through a wall for them. I don't think that can be understated. And having enough guys right. like this, staff is like that. I mean,
0: yeah. Rick Armstrong, no, Scho- the it head is. coach I at mean,
2: Austin Peay. Keith Armstrong,
0: Keith Armstrong will win you over. Like he, oh, yeah. Every time he talks to media, like he wins the press conference. And same with Harold Harold Goodwin. I mean, yeah. like I get it. It's not just – Byron, who's the play caller, and Todd, who's a play caller. Uh, Larry Foot, who just uh, was on the conference call. I love Larry Foot. Oh, my gosh. You,
2: you know how to hear him. If you ever want to get in a great argument, about, I don't even say this anymore because Kobe passed away. Yeah. He is the biggest Kobe Bryant fan ever. So, like, right. guys, when he's playing in the Steelers in the locker room would like be like, Kobe's not even in the top 10, and Foot would go nuts for 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> you couldn't get a word edge wise. It was the, the best thing ever. But yeah. passion, right? That's another – all those guys have that passion as well. Yeah. And Footy's going to be a phenomenal coordinator when he gets a chance to take over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's somebody too that, that when, when you look at Shaq Barrett and the success he had, it's, it's, it's not that, that Foot waved like a magic wand or something. But I mean, this is a guy that didn't have more than four, four and a half sacks in a season. And then he comes to Tampa under this guy's leadership, boom, 19 and a half sacks. I mean, you know, part of it's coaching. It's, it's, that's the coach's responsibility is to take players to the next level and have them reach their full potential. Yeah. And, I think part uh, of
2: that Shaq playing full time and playing a scheme yeah. like Todd's where those outside guys are going to get a lot of opportunities. And then having a guy right. like the biggest thing with footy and Byron and Ty Boles who played as well. Yeah. Players don't realize how hard coaches work right. until they become coaches. Yes. And a lot of them get out of it quick. Cause they're like, this is not for me. Yeah. Those guys like Byron, I said, was the first guy in after Tom Moore in the morning, 5am. Cause they loved this. Like Byron right. made a lot of money. He didn't have to coach. Yeah, He loves it. He He's passionate about it. It's what he wants to do. Footy's the same way, but footy's perspective of, I played, I played with Joey Porter and I played with Woodley and I played with all these guys. This is how they did it. This trick I picked up, even though I played middle linebacker, I watched yeah. these guys having that player. You're a coach, but having that player mentality to talk to another guy, I think in, in certain situations can be vital. And that was well.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and I had a chance to talk to your dad about, about Larry. And, and the, the thing that he said is, he said, I've hired a lot of coaches, right? But that's the only guy I hired straight from his playing days to, to like a, a defensive uh, assistant position. Uh, usually I make guys sit out for a year, contemplate whether they want to do it, recharge their batteries. But, you know, Larry's a guy that, that he went right from being a player to the next year, being in a room with guys that he played with and coaching them and, and, out of all the coaches your dad's hired, that, that's that's pretty unique that that Larry is that guy.
2: And can still own that room. That's the big yeah. thing is to make that jump of, I'm not talking to you as your colleague player anymore. I'm now talking yeah. to you from an authority figure as a coach. AQ will really be the next. I mean, that's yeah. another guy who has been with us four different stops, had a phenomenal career. It's so just a shame what happened to Q. Uh, yeah. But if he can't come back, he wants to get into coaching. That'd be another one that you just step right in. He's basically been a coach for all these years. He just paid as a player to do it.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about A.Q. Shipley, you know, Yeah, then uh, yeah. fortunately what, what happened with him. Um, So I, I wanted to to kind of circle back around because I'm a defensive guy, so I, I like talking defense. But um, but I think a lot of a lot of the fans would love to hear your some more perspective on on Brady and and, and your dad's offense. Uh, some some of the of the talking heads, whether it's Tony Romo, whether it's it's Stan Orlovsky on Twitter, you know, they've asked or they've they've implored or pleaded, you know, more play action, you know, more pre-snap reads, you know. What are your thoughts on that? Because we in the media here locally, we've asked Bruce about those things. But but what's your take on on those other, other valid complaints or concerns? Or is it just, you know, part of the process?
2: More play action than the motion thing, right? I, I get this. You got a motion. It's all window dressing. The Rams yeah. did nothing to us when we played them with motion. Neither did the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Other than the yeah. first play, Tyreek Hill came in motion and he's the fastest dude in the league and got behind Sean Murphy Bunny. Right. The play-action stuff, yes, but you have to run it better to be able to play action more than we've been doing it. I think that's one thing during the in self-scout. One thing I think you'll see during the last four weeks is more play-action in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one thing is Byron, as a young play caller, needs to go back during that bye week and say, okay, where are we at? I'm not right. a big analytics guy. If you yeah. need analytics to tell you what to do in a situation, you hired the wrong coach, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You hire an experienced guy that says, okay, my staff is, I'm going to talk to them. And then we make a decision not yeah. the numbers say you do this on fourth down but the numbers yeah. don't tell you how that game flow is going and in all those kind right. of things um the play action I'd, I'd like to see more of you know yeah. is one of those things tom six but you have to run it here's the other problem with when you put it in like all statistics lie right and mm-hmm. today's football rpo and yeah. throw it is a play action pass
3: right okay? right
2: so even with patrick mahomes is going like this and you know, he's not handing off and we're dropping right. into cover. It's still considered yeah. a play action pass. So that those statistics lie. When we run a play action pass, mm-hmm. it is a full play action pass. You're going back for it. So a little bit of that is misleading. Yeah. But I'd like to see more of that. Motion stuff is not a big deal. Yeah. If you motion him back in and linebacker follows him, you're in man. If he yeah. doesn't, you're in zone. Now the, the Vikings do a hell of a job and do like an inverted cover two, where it looks like it's cover three. And then they end up with two deep safeties. And Harrison Smith does a phenomenal job of coming back and forth. I mean, they have two of the best safeties in the league. That stuff can get a little tricky. Or when you're playing a team that's two deep man under, Mm -hmm. that can get a little tricky. But all motion does is tell you if it's man or zone. So if you don't think Tom's figured that part out by the little bit of motion that we do, the rest of it's window dressing. It's the college game entering the pro game. And fans want to see that. They get excited when a guy is running behind the running back and it looks like the arena league. Right, it's not really that big of a deal. It's way overblown. The play action yeah. stuff makes sense. I'd like to see more of it as well, but run it better to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I can understand why putting a guy in motion, you know, beforehand, not necessarily like you know, at the snap, but beforehand, right? Like like the receiver goes in motion and goes back, and that the guy rolls r- rolls with him in coverage. Then obviously it's man, right? I mean, I get that. At the same time, though. I think it's a little bit of an insult to Tom Brady, who's been at this for 21 years, if he can't, during the, you know, the snap process, be able to identify man and zone, right? I mean, yeah, he's, pretty much he's done this for a couple minutes, I think.
2: I mean, we're talking about Josh Rosen, a young player, right? If Josh can't right. come in and play, and Josh has experience now, he's a really smart guy. He's going to know what it is as well. Okay, yep. so maybe you do a little bit more to give him a little bit more pre-snap. When you're mm-hmm. talking about Tom Brady, what else do you need to give him pre-snap that he hasn't seen in the last 20 years to figure out if it's right. man or his own, to be able to take advantage of? Now, what happens during the snap and a new offense and new new places to look and all that kind of stuff, he's been caught there a couple times, right? Yeah. But that happens. Like, that happens in New England, and it's, it's going to happen now with all this new stuff. But the, mm-hmm. the pre-snap motion stuff's way overblown. The play action stuff, I'd love to see more of it. I'm sure Tom would. I think that yeah. – I think Byron probably wants to see more of it. Yeah. Well, we gotta run it better in certain times, and the game flow has to date that you can run play action. Because, like I said, us in the shotgun running a little RPO is not really play action. So some of those numbers are really stupid. Fans, there's a frigging yeah. stat for everything now, right? Like next right. gen stats is yeah, whatever. It's getting a little crazy, and people yeah. go nuts with some of this stuff.
0: I, I'm an older guy. I'm 48 years old. I, I, you know, I, I, I think analytics can be part of the game, right? And I think there's a place for it. But I'm, I'm more of like a 70-30 or maybe even 60-40 guy in terms of gut instinct and experience over what the numbers say. Um, because, because again, there's no analytic to measure momentum, right? And momentum is is a real thing in football or really in, in a lot of competitive sports. And so, um, you know, you might sit there and say, okay, well, uh, fourth and one in this situation, you, you need to, to look at your stat sheet and, and do this. Okay, well, if you have been stoned by the defense on third and ones throughout the game. Why would you want to go for it on fourth and one when, when, when it's just not your day, right. For the offensive exactly. line, et cetera. Right. I mean, that's, that's where statistics, statistics can kind of uh, betray you a little bit and analytics can betray you. But the one thing I will say that your dad hasn't really bought into, and I know this as, as a Pop Warner defensive coordinator, teaching young kids, about keys, right? I, I've had that to teach linebackers about reading your keys. And, you know, and there, there is that school of thought that, that, that you don't have to have a good running game to use play action. You don't have to be successful running the ball because if you do fake those linebackers, um, whether they're guessing or not, if they're reading their keys and that's, that's what, what they should be doing, right? They have to take that step and commit to their gaps because it could be a running play, right? So even if you're not successfully running the ball, you can still use play action. And I've heard your dad say, well, you know, uh, we don't use play action because there's games where we haven't really run the ball effectively. So what's your take on that? And how do you how do you kind of, you know, I would agree with some of that.
2: I think I think in the first quarter you can get away with that. Mm -hmm. But if you've done it to him in the first quarter and now you're doing it again in the third quarter, those keys are it's great and fundamental to Mm -hmm. go keys. Guys in the NFL, the Tyron Matthews of the world, take yeah. the keys and throw it out the window. They call off instincts. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Troy Palomalos of the world that make these big time plays. You have guys right. that are saying, okay, I've seen this three times now.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to work it. not working in the third
2: right. quarter if you're yeah. not running it well. Yeah. So I, I see both sides of the argument. And you could mm-hmm. definitely, that's why a lot of times you come out and play action and then run it good after that. Right? Yeah. You come out like the first drive and kill them with play action because they're expecting run, have to play the keys. Second drive, run it down their throat. Right. Because yeah. now they're thinking, now they're a little confused. But yep. if you can't ever run it successfully, to have a full game where you're running enough play action can really, mm-hmm. really be tough. Um, so I, I would buy into that. The other thing I say about analytics, I everybody uses analytics, including this staff, a lot right. during the week. Yeah, We're playing this team, and they're in third and seven in the red zone. What do they run? Mm-hmm. Here's the analytics. Yeah. So when you're calling the game on Sunday, you've already done all the analytics all week of what you expect them to be. It gives right. you another level to be able to play, You know, uh, call that play. Same yeah. thing offensively, third and two, third and four from the 40 going in. We know they're we're expecting them to be in this defense. We're going to call this play. We think can beat it. Now, mm-hmm. if they jump outside their analytics, you're in the wrong play. That's where right. players got to make plays outside of the scheme. Uh, so analytics are used highly, but it's what's, like you were just talking about. The fourth and ones, the fourth and twos. I went for it early in this drive. I'm not going to go for it later. It's the feel from an experienced coach that mm-hmm. doesn't need somebody to say the numbers say, if you go for it here, you have 84% chance of winning. If you don't, you have seven i don't i'm not a big fan of that stuff at i'm big big on for doing game plans week.
1: yeah the I mean, analytics that i'm big on can you hear me now jake by the way
2: he's oscar the grinch right now <laughs>
1: okay the analytic i'm big on is is just running the football being committed to running the football and i know that uh you know your dad says a lot of times well when you're down two scores and this and that um we watched the Falcons on Sunday uh, against the Saints. They were down 11 points in the fourth quarter, and they're still running Todd Gurley, you know, keeping the Saints a little bit honest. I think, you know, Byron tends to get away from the run a little bit too much. Now, I know your dad loves to throw the football. Scott and I were at a event when your dad was first hired as the head coach, and Byron was there, and he was talking about um, – he was talking about, you know, your dad – uh, they were running the ball down the field and he's like, throw the damn ball, throw the damn ball, you know, when they were in Arizona or, or wherever it was. I mean, or maybe it was Goodwin. Um, you know, he just loves to throw the football. But um, are, are there times when you say to yourself and even to your dad, uh, you know, you got to commit more to the run and, and um, or, or, or do you agree with with their approach on that? I mean, you know, you're down, you need chunk plays. It's just when you're lined up in the shotgun, you got no backs in the backfield. It's it's quite obvious what you're going to do. You're not surprising anybody at that point. Did you hear the
0: question, Jake? No, I got nothing. I got Oscar
2: the grits the whole time. I hate that you're gonna. Have oh, that that is, okay. Translate that for me. Yeah, but
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, So, so basically, what what Mark is saying is is uh, there are times when when uh, there's the emphasis on we're, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. But but I think at times the fact that your dad was the quarterback whisperer, that Byron Leftwich was a quarterback, and oh, and by the way, you got the greatest quarterback of all time, number twelve, in there that 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 there's there's been this, this pension for giving up on the run too soon because of just of their nature as as wanting to throw the ball. Do you agree with that? Uh a
2: little bit, but not really. I think game flow has taken us out of a bunch of Like the Saints game we get killed because we ran it less than it was twenty eight nothing like like that. Like that right. the game was yeah. just ridiculous. Now there's been a couple times where we probably should have gone back to it some, but we weren't yeah. having a lot of success. And we felt like there was more success with Tom throwing it to these, these guys' these weapons on the outside. Right. I think part of that is like this week, the self-scout stuff and what you want to put these game plans going forward. I think you probably see a little bit more of it. Um, I think mm-hmm. part of it, too, is trying to figure out the rojo net thing, who's going to do what. Uh, I'd like to see more Rojo personally. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to see him catch it a little bit more. i like to see Tom give him a little bit more of a catchable ball here and there, knowing that he struggles. Like The, the touchdown last week was phenomenal. Very right. catchable ball. He, he took advantage of it. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that at play too, but we haven't run it when we've needed, like I've said, I've watched certain teams that aren't even that good at run ball, but when they need to run it, they can smash it down your throat. We've right. done that at times. We haven't been able to do that every week yeah. against every opponent. I think we've got to get to that point, but yeah, we probably abandoned it a little bit early occasionally, but mm-hmm. some of the stuff is, is, uh, is, is game flow. Like the chiefs game, you're not going to yeah. run it a ton when you're down big. And then they claw their way all the way back in.
0: Right. It's interesting, right? Because I, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth and you don't have to comment if you don't want to. But, but the thing is, 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 you know, when you look at, at, um uh, uh, Fournette on a one-year deal, I, I don't think he is coming back, especially with the salary cap, the way it it's going to be. He and, shouldn't and, come back. He, well, sh- he hasn't
1: yeah, he proven and, anything this year in
0: my opinion. Right. And, and, and Ronald Jones is going to be RB1 next year in Tampa. And I'm sure Fournette would like to have a better opportunity somewhere else, but and then same thing with LaShawn McCoy. So so when you look at the Bucs' backfield, it, it's Keyshawn Vaughn, who hasn't really done a whole bunch this year because of the experience of the other guys ahead of him, and Rojo. But then all of a sudden, you've got uh, Deion Lewis, former Tom Brady running back that's going to be in free agency. Rex Burkhead, James White, all those guys will be free agents. And I think that's that's the one thing that that Brady's really missed this year is having that, that dependable, sure-handed pass catcher. We saw Leonard Fournette drop three passes in a game. We've seen Rojo have five or six drops this year. Um, but, uh, I mean, to me – Shady's that, dropped a couple. Shady's dropped he a does, couple. He wins. didn't
2: drop anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that guy, that role has not been – it's been fine. It just hasn't been executed very well by the players. And yeah. That's, that's all of them included. I'd like to see – I mean, apparently Keyshawn Vaughn's practicing his butt off. Mm-hmm. And he looks really, really good and has for weeks. It's just hard to get him on the field – with those veteran guys that Tom needs to trust, I think if Tom right. played some and Tom got that chemistry, yeah. I think he could probably be that guy down the stretch. Yeah. We'll see what happens uh, as far as next year goes. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of those guys. Philip Lindsay's up. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that, but familiarity with Tom is going to, I think, be important. And I think right. James White makes the most sense. He's the most explosive of all those guys. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. You know, with with the cap and who's going to be available. I think Rojo. If Rojo can figure that part out, you're talking yeah. about one of the elite three down guys to be able to move forward. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's invaluable when you're calling plays. Oh yeah. Now you can't from a defensive guy right now, you can't take, okay, Rojo's come in there in the shot, Fournette's come in there in the shotgun. Now if you have the same guy in there. Right. Those those teams that can do that. And there's only four or five. Yeah. It's hard to defend that.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, when you're you're looking at, at, uh, at at next year, and the reason I'm kind of talking about next year a little bit too, is just because, I, I'm doing something for my SRS Fab Five. I always do in December is, is I do the future forecast. I kind of do like a little bit of a sneak peek. Now, now the good news is this year um, fans aren't going to be as interested in reading about that because we're interested in the playoffs. But Jake, for the past 12 years, there has not been playoffs in Tampa Bay. So usually this time we're we're doing mock drafts looking ahead to next year. Thankfully, that's not the case this year. But but. Um, we, we started this kind of talking about COVID and how it how it robbed the Buccaneers of the offseason and how that's still kind of affecting Brady and this this meshing between he and your dad and Byron. Um, but the, the economics of it for next year is really interesting because the the salary cap and we're looking at a reduction of the salary cap to about one hundred and seventy five million and usually it goes up 10 million every year that now we're talking a, a massive um, you know reduction. And what that's going to do is, is, I mean, Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and Dominican Sue, uh, those are some major components to this team that are all headed towards free agency. And I don't, you know, I don't see the Buccaneers keeping all those guys. Um, maybe they want to come back with some hometown discounts to try to win a, a ring, hopefully another ring, uh, with Tom, but. But what's your sense on on? Those are some big names, and I don't know if all those guys would be able be able to be re-signed.
2: Yeah, they are, and there are some aging guys in there that maybe okay. The market says they can take less, and they take a little while, and they come back. Right. Um, the cap has gone up for a long for forever, right? For as yep. long as we can remember, the cap's been going up every year. Yep. Everybody has to deal with this. So I think the flip side of that is, while you might lose some really good players you've had, every team is going to lose four or five stars because of this cap. Right. You got the Eagles, the Falcons. There's some teams in the Saints. There's some teams in really, yeah. really, really bad cap space. Mike Greenberg and Jace Light at this team really in about as good a shape as anybody. The league yes. For a good team. Now, there's some yeah. teams that have a lot of cap space, but they suck. Right. Are, you know, the big thing is when you have a rookie quarter a quarterback on a rookie contract, yeah. you can do a lot more. Yeah. We don't. But we're in great shape when it comes to that. So while everybody's going to lose four or five starters. I think there's going to be a lot of veteran movement late in free agency, getting close to training camp kind of thing, where guys have sat out and waited and yeah. they want the right situation where you can right. add guys in really, really valuable pieces. And, I think most Jay, of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 I agree with everything with, with what you said, but usually what that is, that's about a handful of guys that are in that situation. But next year, I think you and I are on the same page here next year. It's not going to be a handful of guys. I think it's a 30, 50 guys. In that situation, right? Really, really good players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every team
2: is going to have to dump four or five guys that they would love to have back. Right. But they can't. And what the market does then, and then where do they go? Do they chase the money or do they chase winning? Right. It's going to be really interesting. And guys like Sue are getting older, but he's still playing phenomenal. Right. But I think he wants to move again. I don't think he wants wants to win. Right. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I think the guy is also the, the best part about the collective bargaining agreement, too, this year with the COVID stuff. Yeah. A lot more players were involved with what's going on with the league. When mm-hmm. I played, our union sucked. It's gotten <laughs> a lot stronger in the last 20 years. Still not baseball. But right. It's got a lot stronger, and a lot more guys are involved. I think a lot more. A lot of more players have an, a better understanding of what finances mm-hmm. are, of what the what their piece of the pie is on the collective bargaining agreement, yeah. and what that looks like. And they might understand. Okay, if I sit and I play on a winning team for a mm-hmm. year, all the TV contracts are up. So they're all being yeah. renegotiated. So the number is right. gonna go back up eventually, right? We'll right. have fans again sometime. Yep. Um, it might be better to stay put and take a discount and be able to figure that out. But I, when you're in already in good shape, you can get creative and figure this out. A lot of these teams we're talking about have no chance. I think the Saints are $200 million over yeah. the cap right yeah. now, currently.
0: Yep. It's it's Super Bowl or bust for the Saints this year. It just yeah. that's it, it, how it is. And if if the Buccaneers can stay healthy, I mean, I don't see why they don't win the NFC South next year. Just just based on on the Saints going down and the Bucks rising, you know. And and the Saints the Sa- the Saints are one of those teams you, as you mentioned are going to have to part ways with four or five starters just at least just yeah. to get under the cap, you know. And then yeah, I mean they the, the Eagles the Saints. There's a bunch of teams that are that are good
2: teams that are. I mean, going to be really, really bad off. Now, yeah. quarterback restructures, like Ben Roethlisberger has done 50 times at Pittsburgh. When right. you get under the cap, all right, I'm going to get all my money. So give me $10 million now, and then my, my cap value is lower, and we'll, we'll right. play this around four years from now. You can get creative and make it work. Yeah. And we have one of the best in the business in Greenberg. Yep. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm still more worried about what's going this happen this Sunday than the offseason. But it's like, <laughs> right. nice, look. As a fan, that's like the best thing about football is that you're around now.
3: It is, yeah.
2: Man, if there's a guy, our show's on the draft network. So, like, we're, we're talking, you know, the spring is almost our football season. You're talking no about doubt. all these guys coming up and draft picks. And the best part about future football is the future. You always I, I, I get arguments with people all the time. Like, from a coach's player's point of view, they want to win. Yeah. There's no like, we're playing, like, I don't like what Miami's doing with Tua. He should have played right. sometime this year, but you still might win the East. Now, they yeah, won exactly. a bunch of games, but it hasn't been because of him. Right. So like it's been this like I, I wasn't a big fan of that one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's playing for the future, and if he's not good, well, what did you do? You just you haven't won the, the AFC East in when twenty years, I know, because Tom's yes. been there, <laughs> right? So like, I, th- and there's a fine line there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And and again, here in Tampa, I've covered the Buccaneers since nineteen ninety five. Is my my twenty fifth year doing this? And you know, I was here for the for the rise of the Buccaneer uh, second year uh, on the job. I mean, I walked in the door with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp, second year on the job. Here comes Tony Dungy, right? And, and I'm I'm in, I'm in a, a pewter uh, locker room that, that's full of pro bowlers, you know, right? I mean, I walk in, in there to interview um, the Bucks during open locker room. Do I want to talk to John Lynch today or Rondé Barber? Do I want to talk to Simeon Rice or Warren Sapp and Mike Allstad? And, you know, and it was just that way for so long. I got spoiled. I think Buccaneer fans got spoiled too. Um, Gruden comes along. They win the whole thing. And ever, ever since they they fired him, this team has not been to the playoffs since since 2007. And ever since they fired him, it's it's been you know, wasn't
2: Gruden's record: 45 and 55 after they won the Super Bowl.
0: So uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard. It's like like you said, it, you're making. I, I
2: think everybody like, to, your, to to your point because I get blown yeah. up for this all. I wish we had Gruden back. Well, we kicked his ass earlier this year, and after we won the Super Bowl with Tony's players. You yeah. went 45 and 55, and you ran him out of town. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not always that easy, right? That's right. Uh, I, love, I love John. John does a hell of a job. Don't yep. get me wrong. It's just the facts are the facts. Yeah. He won the Super Bowl. Yeah. He has a pewter, he has a frigging statue outside the stadium. Like, right. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's what you get when you win one. Yeah. But it wasn't that – and I get what – I trust me. I, people are like, you don't understand what it's like to be a Bucs fan. Yes, I do. I've been watching this league for a long, long time. Right. I know there's teams – they can't get it done. I know those teams that bounce up and get it done. Yeah, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have faith in what's going on and have a little trust in the process that you hired the right person, the right staff, right, and they're doing the right things to win games. Right? Does that happen as fast as you want? No, that's why Jason Light gets blown up all the time, but his draft picks have been phenomenal for three years. But people are telling him the rookies aren't Pro Bowlers by week eight. Right.
0: Well, and, and I, what I like about about your dad coming here it, from, from Jason's perspective in the Lasers was looking for some continuity because. The lasers, and I think rightly so. I mean, they were right to to hire and fire Raheem Morris and Greg Schiano, and you know Lovey Smith and Dirk Cutter. Like, like uh, you know, give these guys a shot. But if it's clearly not working, you need to to abort and hit the the button. But um, what I liked is is the continuity because of the staff, right? The, if if your dad wants to walk away, there's plenty of options in house that can that can have that continuity, right? I, I think that's that's key. And and so I think the second piece of the puzzle is, well, you've got, you've got the GM, right? I think Jason's done a very good job, especially the last couple of drafts have been phenomenal. Uh, so the GM's there. You've got the coaching staff, your dad and the, the players we talked about, at the, or the, the coaches we talked about at the beginning of the show. The next thing is the quarterback, right? And uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on Josh Rosen. I, I saw you on Twitter talking about Carson Wentz and the demise there. Um, I've been a proponent after seeing Josh Freeman, who went to my alma mater, Kansas State, you know, get his run here and then get run out of town. Same with Jameis Winston. Five years, you know, it it didn't happen. And I go back to those Gruden years and say what you want about the Brian Greasy's, the the Brad Johnson's, the, the Jeff Garcia's. Those Trendy old yeah, the, go a long the, way with those guys, man. The, those old retreads won division championships and got this team to the playoffs. And I see what your dad has done with a Carson Palmer in Arizona. And um, you know, I know Josh Rosen's still young. I don't know if he's the answer or not. But boy, I'd love for the the Eagles to give up on Carson Wentz. You know, after next year when he has no more dead cat money, maybe yeah. he's the heir apparent to to Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't discount Blaine Gabbard at this point. Mm-hmm. People forget, I mean, Blaine was, and you see him practice all the time, and nobody looks better than that, throws it better than that, been this offense a long time, if Blaine had to play a season or sustained, uh, a sustained period of time, because time got hurt, I think we're fine there, he knows this offense is any really? point, I, I I really do, Okay. he, he was the 10th, 10th overall pick for a reason, he also had eight head coaches and seven coordinators his first seven years in the league, that's true, name me anybody that's had success with that
0: he's played on bad teams, too. Exactly my point. Bad
2: teams with all that, all the coaches, and you just mentioned continuity. Yeah. It's the first time in Blaine's career he's been in the same offense for three or four years. Yeah. He'd be fine. Rosen has a ton of talent. I don't think there's any doubt about that, That he can mm-hmm. absolutely spin it. Him settling into being comfortable in a locker room, comfortable with a staff, all that stuff, I think, is what, what we figured out. But he's, you have a very talented guy there. Yeah. But Carson Wentz, what I should have put at the end of that tweet was – I still have a ton of faith in him. He still has a ton of talent. Right. But he is absolutely shell-shocked from the first eight things that I mentioned. Yeah. The bad offensive line play, all of the injuries because of the – I mean, they just – they've been ravaged. It's time for him to take a step back. Um, There's a bunch of guys like that that you can plug and play. Old veteran guys. I say this all the time. I Mm -hmm. get killed for it. Quarterback position is played between the ears, not athletically. Yep. People, it's sexy. People run around, they want to do all this stuff. It's still played between the ears. We were talking about pre-snap. Can you diagnose right. what the defense is in? Can you put your team? Kirk Cousins does a phenomenal job of that. Kirk's not the most athletic dude in the world. And he gets killed. He gets nowhere near the credit he deserves.
3: Right. If you put his
2: numbers next to you, like a blind numbers thing, nobody's ever gonna pick that Kirk Cousins. Because his numbers are spectacular. Yeah. Yes, he's had his problems prime time, that kind of stuff. But my point is, guys like that, when you have the surrounding cast, which we have. Right. You can win a lot of games, but you got to get that continuity for that guy under center to really know what he's doing. You got to play that game between the years. Peyton Manning is the best example of all time. Mm-hmm. Peyton, there's no way you're going to have the greatest of all time conversation. If Peyton's out of anybody's top five. Right. Yeah. Peyton's probably the least athletic person that's ever played quarterback. That's true. Other than maybe Phillip Rivers, okay? Yeah. But he might be the most cerebral guy that's ever played quarterback of diagnosing right. what you're in and taking mm-hmm. advantage of that and killing you with it. Yeah, His entire career. That's how the game is played. Now, it's fun to watch guys run around. But the last time I checked, nobody's won a Super Bowl they a running quarterback.
0: Right. Well, and, and at the same time, too, when you look at the, at the quarterback position, and and sometimes the, the Blaine Gabberts, like who, who you said, has first-round talent and ability when it came out. Same with Josh Rosen. Rosen's on his third team now, right? Blaine Gabberts bounced around the league. But I go back to, and Buccaneer fans should go back to, the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl 37. When they won, Brad Johnson was was a journeyman, right? Who was cast off from from Minnesota, and then you know had had a resurgence in Washington, and then was signed Rich by Rich
2: Gannon, the guy they were playing the Buccaneers,
0: and Rich Gannon. I was going to say that this I mean, uh, ger- two journeyman guys, you know, well into their thirties, found success in the right systems with the right coaches, and got to the Super Bowl, and you know, and that year, Rich Gannon was was the NFL MVP. Right, yeah, and and, yeah. and Trent
2: Dilfer wins one in two thousand. They sign Elvis Gerback. Don't you think the Ravens wish they had that one back? Well, they, they probably would they'd run, that run that far. one back. I don't know what. Yeah, it not bad. Yeah, I mean he managed it good. I like Elvis yeah, Gerback came game, and yeah. let the world on fire for all the money they paid him.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but no, yeah, I I, I get your point, and and I guess that's kind of what I'm saying too. Is is uh, there's something to be said about. The the Brad Johnsons, the Brian Greasy's, the Jeff Garcias, the the, the cast off veteran quarterback that has been there and done that, and I don't know who the eventual successor to Tom Brady is, but boy, if it is Carson Wentz, if if the Eagles do give up on him and he's out there, it would be interesting to see what what your dad uh, or or this coaching staff could do with uh, with someone of that ability a couple of years down the road.
2: Sam Darnold's another guy. Yeah, I mean, if if the, jet, the Jets are going to move on, they're going to go Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's a year too early for that. I, yeah. I still think he's going to end up after Antetokounmpo. I just think that'd be a phenomenal spot with him and Kyle. Yeah. Uh, but there's guys like that that were that talented coming out, got a bad situation, yeah. bunch of turnover, no continuity, and need the right the, the right situation. Right. I think the biggest thing there is though, having that continuity with the head coach, some familiarity with the offense, with verbiage, yeah. with some players on that team. I think all those things really play a factor as well. Yeah.
0: I'm just shell shocked. Uh, I mean, I, I, I get the whole Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson thing, but I've just seen too many bad teams draft quarterbacks in the first round and 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 they don't pan out or 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 they're or maybe they have some success like like Carson had at the beginning of his career, but when the team is not built around that that player and lets that that young developing quarterback down. Uh, it it just it it it, it it's a coach killer, it, and it and these GMs spin their wheels. It's definitely, that. yeah. Yeah. So I, I I I would love to see Jason Light not draft another quarterback in the first round, or um you know it, and go that veteran free agent route. Uh, Even if it's a younger guy. Now I guess it maybe Rosen ends up becoming that guy. You know, a couple of years down the road, maybe it's Blaine Gabbard, Who knows? But that's it, just kind of my take on that.
2: Yeah, I'm it, I'm a big fan of that. It's hard to go from the college game to the NFL game. See so you guys having success. Yeah. But once they put that on tape, I'm yeah. I'm big on this, too. You put a, something on tape for a year. Yeah. You give defense coordinators an offseason to get ready for it. Nothing has had – whether it was Kaepernick running the read option and having all that success going to the Super Bowl, or RG three yeah. doing it a couple of years later, and then they, and then last year with Lamar.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's not as it's, good as you, he was you, last you, year. You, know? you give defensive coordinators a way to figure that
2: out, they're going to take away what you do best, and then you yeah. have to be able to do something else. Uh, it's hard for these young guys to, to master all of it when some guys that have been around, even though they were in bad situations – get a second chance. They've seen more because it's still yeah. played between your ears more than anything else. Exactly.
0: Jake can,
1: you, listen- uh, can, can you hear me, Jake? Yeah,
2: I can <laughs> finally. Yes. Sorry All right. about okay, that. good. Going on.
1: Hey, I just wanted to uh, briefly something very important to me. And I know important to your family is your dad's foundation. And I know your mom is very big involved in it as well. The Arians Family Foundation, uh, their support for the Guardian ad litem program. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with your mom. We adopted our son through, uh, foster care. So I know how important that foundation is and, and, and the things that they do. But if you could just briefly talk about that real quick and how people can get involved, um, in in the, in, in what your dad and your mom do and and their passion outside of football.
2: Yeah. So while talking about football and, and all this is winning games is a big deal. It's a hell of a lot bigger deal. We're talking about saving kids' lives and kids that it's not their fault. The, the situations that these kids are in. So my mom was a CASA for 20 years, a court-appointed special advocate for abused and neglected kids in the foster care system. So they're basically, they basically go to court on their behalf and say what's best for this kid. Access to teachers, parents, grandparents, everybody else. And they write a report on what's best for that kid's situation, to really give them the best chance. So we raise as much money and awareness at the Arians Family Foundation as we can for the Guardian Item Program, for voices for children down there, uh, for for CASA nationally, with six different programs that we we support across the country. Uh, And it's just, you talking about passion. You've talked to my mom about it. You think my dad's passion watching him on the sidelines. You've seen nothing (laughs) until you see my mom fight for a kid. Um, So it's really what a hell of a lot. I'd much rather our legacy be that than any wins and losses. And we're talking about football. It's, it's so damn important. So from any information to Arians, uh, Arians family foundation.com. And then we've got a really fun thing going on at Arians.rivalsmedia.com where you can get on, make a donation, pick all the, all the prop stuff, coin toss like baseball the pre-game super bowl bets and mm-hmm. you have a leaderboard with a chance to win really cool prizes uh so arians.rivalsmedia.com that's going on again this week you know we had the bye week off last week check that out but anybody that's interested i um, mean you can go on ariansfamilyfoundation.com get all the information that you want about casa about foster kids uh and what we're trying to do because like i said it's a hell of a lot more important than football is
1: and, and adoption in general um you know Absolutely. i don't know how it is in other states but um you know, we adopted through the state of florida through foster care and i don't know that people realize because people talk about well adoption is so expensive In the state of florida not only is it free my son's college education is paid for until he's 28 years old he can go to school until he's 28 all of his tuition is paid his medical uh, dental all of his health is paid until he's 18 years old which he's 20 now but the point is, and and they actually give you a stipend as as the guardians of the parents in foster care. That's so it really is the state of Florida really does a good job. For so for anybody who's interested in adopting and uh, can't have children of their own, um, you know, look into the state of Florida's um, you know foster program. And they say, well, you can't get babies in there. That's not true. Uh, once you're <laughs> once you're signed up and uh, you go through the classes and you get approved. Uh, there are young, young children. Our son was three and a half when we got him, and that was perfect. You know why, Jake? Because he was already potty trained. I never <laughs> had to change <laughs> a diaper. I'm 50 years old, and I have yet to change a diaper. Uh, so I love, but, it. but there are get young that word out, man. Available. That's
2: an unbelievable program. I mean, no, it about. really I, is. We I mean, have a bunch of states that we support. I've never heard anything like that. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, absolutely the state of
1: Florida that does a phenomenal great. job, and, uh, and 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 you know, when when this COVID situation gets straightened. Me and your mom get a vaccine, maybe her and I can go to lunch and we can talk about it a little bit more. Shes, she's a great lady. I've had a lot of uh, good conversations with her about it, and uh, whenever she hears me mentioned my son's adopted, she always has to give me a hug for that. So I appreciate Miss um, sure. Christine yeah. and, and your Christine's dad as well
0: phenomenal. She's, she's one of our, our favorite followers because she always retweets and likes her stuff, so yeah, that's always a good. <laughs> she, thing. She's
2: the rock and the glue man. You don't, they've been married 50 years this year..
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. That's, that's phenomenal. You know, and they got a great place up there in in Lake Oconee. A lot lot of
2: moves, a lot of teams, a lot (laughs) of players, a lot of years. But, uh, yeah, she's the rock and the glue that keeps it all together.
0: Well, I'd say, uh, you know, their, their, their final landing spot up there in, in Reynolds, Lake Oconee is, is phenomenal. I mean, um, yeah, it's hard to beat. We, we vacation up there. My, my wife's, uh, my father in law, my wife's dad, uh, lives in, in Oconee and, um, or actually in Eatonton, which is just right, yeah, right next door there. And so we, we vacation up there at the, at the Reynolds, um, you know, Lake Oconee, we get some of those cottages, uh, whether it's winter or summer, it's, it's, it's a fantastic place. So. Yeah. So Bucks he, fans
2: better hope he not like it too much. That He wants to come back to Tampa. Every <laughs> that's true, goes yeah. in the spring, he's like, I don't know, this is kind of nice. I'm like, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> right.
0: that nice. No, one, one, one last yeah, question she, for me before, uh, before we let you go. Um, I am sure you know when you have when you've watched the Pittsburgh Steelers when your dad was the coach there, you know, you had a favorite player too, right? Same out in Arizona when he had his stint there, you had some guys that you just gravitated towards as a football fan, right? Maybe you got to know them, but damn, you like watching them on Sundays, right? Uh, who were those players and and who's that who who's that guy in Tampa that you you know, when when you're a fan for 3 hours on Sunday, you're, you know, go this guy or that guy. Who 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 are the the favorite players you've had in, in your stops uh, watching yeah. these teams?
2: Uh, there's been a ton everywhere we've been. I mean, Tyron Matthews is one of my favorite people ever, just the story, and then the man he turned into. Yeah, uh, for the Bucks is Levante David. I, it still is the most underrated player in the NFL. I have no idea yeah. how he doesn't get the love. The, the guy has been a phenomenal Iron Man for all these years, making nothing but plays. JPP. I love the personality. Yeah. Sue, I love the personality. The defense, I, I like Devin White's kind of becoming one of my favorite. He flies all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Chris Goblin on offense, man. A receiver that doesn't bitch, that's not a diva, that catches everything <laughs> right. thrown in his – he's Larry Fitzgerald me over again.
0: Yeah, that blocks it, his it, ass off.
2: I went on an old man rant to end our show yesterday talking about, if you're getting your ass beat by 30 and you catch a first down, I don't need you to tell me it's a first down. Right. Like They're, they're – have some like awareness for what's going on in the game, right? Yeah. Chris Godwin, Larry Fitzgerald, every catch, hand at the official, every touchdown, head act like you, there's nothing cooler and swaggier than that. like you've been there a million times. Yeah, I just love the way Chris Godwin goes about his business. Mike Evans, too, I love yeah. Mike's fire, Mike's passion. Mm-hmm. Mike's that receiver that wants it, the the ball to do everything. Yeah, but Chris is that he just does the dirty work. He's Heinz Award. I mean, yeah. those guys, they don't get enough credit, man.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's outstanding. Well, we certainly appreciate. Having you on and, uh you know, it, like we talked about in the first quarter of the show, we're, we had some technical difficulties, but we're going to finish strong in the fourth quarter and, and make the comeback. And by God, we did, Jake. So Absolutely.
2: Thanks for having me. Sorry. You
1: notice, you notice I have your dad back there on a shirt on my wall? I don't know if you noticed I, I that shirt. I thought it
2: looked a little bigger than the regular Bucko Bruce. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh it's not officially licensed. So, you guys didn't get any cut of that. I, I think I bought it <laughs> from a guy I'm on the there. street corner for like five bucks. <laughs> but anyway. I'd
2: like that maybe we need to turn
0: that into something
1: you, you need, need to, to. yeah well, Jake, we'd
0: love we'd love to have you back on in the offseason time. To, to to talk about this uh, uh where, where can buck fans find you when you're not on the Peter report podcast where, where are you doing your podcasts and where are you at on social media
2: so our show is uh, on the draft network it's tdn fantasy.com or tdn fantasy at tdn fantasy on all the social media stuff draftnetwork.com network.com jb arian's on twitter and arian's nfl on instagram so you find all the stuff that we have going on there and go bucks man can't wait for this weekend
0: that's awesome. We appreciate having you on. Uh, for Jake Arians, our special guest for Mark Cook, I am Scott Reynolds saying uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Uh, we're expecting John Ledyard, who's now a Florida resident as of this week, to be hey, on a play. cold night. Yeah, right. I had told him he brought down the cold weather from, from yeah. Pittsburgh. Um, but we should be on a 4 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, John is, is feverishly trying to get Internet access at his new house. But we've got our, our Vikings Bucks. Uh, preview show tomorrow at four o'clock here on the Peter report podcast. So for Jake Garriens and Mark Hook, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you on the next edition of the Peter report podcast out. out.